Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. We are back with another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name, if you forgot it, is Troy Moriello, and I am your host bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. St. John's fans and fans of this podcast, I hope that you missed me after a couple of weeks off we took a little bit of a break there with the news kind of slowing down on the offseason, uh, but we are back here to cover some breaking news or, or sort of breaking news uh, of the last couple of days. You'll remember the uh, last episode that I that I did a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago actually to be exact, and you can go back and listen to that as well, some reaction to the hiring of head coach Mike Anderson. You can go back and listen to that, but I did say that – I was going to try to get some notable guests on throughout the offseason to kind of keep uh, podcasts coming out there, and I would come on with uh, whenever some notable news breaks as well. Well, fortunately for us, we have a notable guest, and we have some notable news to discuss as well. I'll get to the guests first. We're going to be joined in a little bit by Howie Schwab, notable St. John's alumni. He is the formerly of uh, Stump the Schwab fame, I'm sure, as you all know him. And he is also now currently with Fox Sports as a bracketologist for them. He's their head bracketologist over there. Does a really cool job with that. Really cool guy. And like I said, St. John's alumni and still a big St. John's fan as well. Although his bracket didn't exactly reflect that this season. Uh, He was a little bit down on the Johnnies this season in his bracket, I remember. But... Uh, big St. John's fan and a St. John's alumni, and he's going to join us in a little bit uh, for for a, a nice interview, cool interview about his career, about his time at St. John's, all the good stuff, you know, and then talk about the team as well. So that's coming up. Uh, also, though, we have some big, big news coming out as well. Now, like I said in, in the uh, last episode that we did a couple weeks ago, you know, I expected the, the news to kind of settle a little bit, the dust to kind of settle, I think were my exact words, on the offseason. You know, the season ended late March. Uh, we had Shamori Pons declaring for the draft really right after that, Matt Abdelmasi leaving right after that. Uh, early April, we had Chris Mullen stepping down, and then really the entire month of April, we had this head coaching search and the eventual uh, introduction of Mike Anderson as the next head coach for St. John's. Well, the dust now has kind of settled on the Red Storm offseason. The last couple of weeks has been relatively quiet, you know, uh, save for a couple of moves, a couple of assistant coaching hires, and a couple of uh, recruits coming in, but not the most notable news. No disrespect to any of those coaches and any of those recruits who are coming in and who are going to play a vital part in the Red Storm's 2019-2020 season, as well as going forward for this program. No disrespect to them, but not the most notable news, not the biggest news that I felt, um, you know, were worthy of a podcast to come out here where I wouldn't have a whole lot to talk about. The good news, though, is that right now I have a lot to talk about, and a lot of it is positive because LJ Figueroa announced earlier today, or when you're listening to this yesterday, that he will be back at St. John's for his second and final year with the Red Storm uh, in the 2019-2020 season. It's huge news for St. John's, really. You know, this is the news that we've all been kind of waiting for. I saw some say that this is really the biggest recruit that St. John's will land uh, this offseason. You know, LJ coming back, it was kind of questionable as to whether or not he would transfer, but he ends up saying, announcing today that he will be back. 
doesn't completely change the Red Storm's outlook for 2019-20 because I still think that they're you know a, a couple of, of pieces short of a tournament team at least going at this point in time um, and you know there's not a whole lot of chances for them to, to get those pieces at the, at this immediate juncture to become a tournament team but it does change their outlook from what a lot a lot of people had them as you know the eighth or ninth team best team in the Big East next season could bump them up to I think middle of the pack in the Big East and I think that really uh, is where you know a reasonable expectation would be right now for St. John's, a middle of the pack Big East team, you know, on the bubble maybe most of the season, probably don't uh, make the tournament, but maybe an NIT bid above 500. These are all things that I think are reasonable to expect for this team. And hell, if they do make a tournament run, that would be awesome as well. But I'm not, you know, this team doesn't really uh, make back-to-back tournaments all that often. I'm not gonna gonna go crazy here and say that I expect them to make the tournament. But if they do, I, I wouldn't be shocked. One and two. I'd obviously be pleasantly surprised. But uh, talking about LJ Figueroa, the decision is not, you know, shocking for me. I think that over the past couple of weeks, uh, his recruiting news have kind of simmered a little bit. It's not surprising that he's coming back. I I tweeted out today, I thought that it was the right decision for him. You know, obviously I'm very biased and I think we all are very biased. But you look at LJ, he would have had to sit another year, wait another year to play. And I think that this system that Mike Anderson runs is fast-paced, turnover, you know, intense defense, get out and transition run. That suits his game perfectly. You know, LJ Figueroa was as really his all of his teammates were as well. The entire St. John's team, they were at their best last season in transition. And that's the style of play that Mike Anderson wants to run in transition, get out, get quick, play fast, score, you know, score quickly, shoot quickly, the like. That works for LJ Figueroa's game. And I think that that fits him perfectly. And he's going to have a chance now to where he is really option number one or 1A on this team, along with Mustafa Heron. You know, last year was Shamori Pons, Marvin Clark, Justin Simon, occasionally at times, but not, not so much on the offensive end, but he was really, you know, the second, third, fourth option uh, on the court at a given time on the offensive end of the, of the, of the, of the court. Uh, but now, you know, he is really option number one or 1A, like I said. So he'll have his chances here to really lead this team, uh, to put up big numbers, hopefully, hopefully put up a lot of wins as well, but to put up big numbers and then hopefully put himself in a position where he's either, you know, making money going into the end. NBA draft in the G League or, you know, the regular NBA or going overseas and making a lot of money. So, you know, uh, kudos to LJ. I think that this was the right decision. And I don't know how seriously he's, his recruitment was ever. I don't know how seriously he took his recruitment um, that he was going to actually leave the school. But at the end of the day, it's nice to have him back, although it's not the most surprising thing in the world. Um, you know, I kind of liken this news to news that St. John's fans got uh, at this time last year when Shimori Pons announced that he would be coming back to school for his junior year year. Uh, the Pons news from last year, if you'll remember, I, I was a little bit more surprised by that. You know, I, I think that Pons, it always made sense for him to come back to school last year, at least. But there was always that concern. You know, we've seen St. John's players declare a little bit too early for the draft in the past. Look at a guy like Jakar Sampson after his sophomore year declaring. So we've seen that happen. So there was always that, you know, worry, at least in my mind, that Pons may end up going pro uh, last season. So when he came back, you know, that not only was huge news and not really a huge surprise, but huge news. And that kind of dramatically changed the outlook for St. John's uh, going into this upcoming 
upcoming season, along with the uh, commitment of Mustafa Heron a few days after that. You know, but this, this doesn't this you know present move with LJ Figueroa doesn't totally change the outlook of next season. I still think that it is you know if you don't want to say a rebuilding year, a reloading year uh, for St. John's. It's Mike Anderson's first year, but I think that this at least ensures that St. John should be competitive uh, both in non-conference and in conference play. You know, the Big East is going to be very very tough next year, uh, even with Marquette taking a hit. The Big East is still going to be a very very tough conference. You know, Villanova is always there. You look at Seton Hall; they're going to be very very good teams like Butler, Creighton, Georgetown, uh, Xavier, they're all going to have bounce back seasons. So the Big East is going to be very, very tough. But I think that having a guy like Figueroa and having pairing him with a guy like Mustafa Heron, both guys that can score, that can control a game, that can lead an offense, and that fit perfectly in this system that Mike Anderson wants to run. I think that that ensures that St. John should at least uh, be competitive in the Big East this season, and we won't see a uh, a redo of the, of the Chris Mullen first season in 2016. So that's that's a positive for the Red Storm. Um, you know, th- this lineup. I think that you look at the starting lineup right now. You're going to need to get at least probably about 40 points a game from from Figueroa and Heron. You know, I think that they'd be good for that. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he, if both of them averaged 20 points a game with just with the way that this team is currently constructed. And they'll need guys like uh, like um, Greg Williams and Josh Roberts to step up. You know, those guys are probably going to be starters. I still think that they need a little bit of help in the backcourt. Uh, this kid that they got a couple weeks ago, this point guard, is going to help for sure. But uh, I, I think that you know they need a little bit of help for Greg Williams. I don't know how much of a point guard he is. And they'll need they'll need a little bit of help in the backcourt. And they need Williams and they need Roberts to step up. You know, we'll we'll, we'll see. This is their time now. They looked very very good in the limited minutes that they each played uh, last season and. And we'll see how they are now as starters. Obviously, with the bench, you know, there, there is some depth there. There's not a ton, but there's still work to be done in this offseason. But really, the, the most impactful thing that could have happened for St. John's happened. Uh, they have LJ Figueroa back. They have really their team MVP from last season back, and they have a, a very uh, lethal scoring option back heading into the 2019-2020 season. So that's huge for St. John's. It, it can't be understated how huge that is. And now we'll see going forward... Uh, what else Mike Anderson does with his offseason. But you have to like what Mike Anderson has done so far with his team, Uh, you know, reaching out to recruits. He's obviously been active on the recruiting trail. The pessimist in me says, you know, Chris Mullen was just as active in his first couple of months as well. But it feels a little bit different with Mike Anderson. Um, You know, he has a legitimate background in recruiting as well as Chris Mullen did not. Uh, He seems to be selling these players on, you know, family atmosphere, which you you love. You know, you love to see that. And, you know, I haven't seen a recruiter or anyone say a bad word about him so that's positive as well um, but we'll see you know he's definitely done his due diligence on the local kids as well um, Nate Tabor one of the one of the kids who who uh, decommitted we'll, we'll see what happens with him but at the end of the day I think that it's been a solid start on the recruiting trail for Mike Anderson and I count this as as a recruiting win for him because you know who knows what what was going through LJ's mind about a month ago when St. John's was in turmoil and you know if, if you would have told me at this time a month ago when St. John's had no clue who their head coach was going to be they were getting rejected by two or three coaches a week you know if you would have told me that this would be the roster a month from now I'd be pretty happy and I would sign up for that so for all their faults it looks like St. John's is at least going to get away with a decent roster heading into the 2019-2020 season and we'll see uh, what Mike Anderson and his staff uh, put to work now going forward in the the next couple of weeks of of, um, recruiting as well but we'll see about that. Okay, so now let's get to our interview. It is with Howie Schwab. 
stumped the Schwab, as I said, formerly stumped the Schwab, as I said, now with uh, Fox Sports doing bracketology for them and a St. John's alumni. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Howie, and I'll be back on the other end to wrap this thing up. Okay, I'm now joined by distinguished alumni of St. John's, Howie Schwab, known as the Schwab by some. Uh, he's the first of hopefully many notable St. John's alumni that we that we have on this offseason. And uh, what better way to start this kind of this kind of series than with the Schwab himself, Howie Schwab. Howie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Great to be with you, Troy. I'm really excited. And class of '82, yes. <laughs> class of '82, yes. Uh, as as I said, you know, you do St. John's proud. Uh, you, you really do a great job on the air. Obviously, though. Um, I want to start a little bit with your with your time as a, as the Schwab on Stump the Schwab, and then we can kind of get into uh, your, your what you're doing now, your St. John stuff as well. Um, but starting with 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 this the uh, Stump the Schwab. Now, I don't know how many people tell you this, but for me, growing up, I'm 23 right now. I'm class of 2017 at St. John's, and um, for me, growing up, I mean, I think I was like nine, 10, 11 when when your show was big. And this this show, like it was appointment television for me and my father. I remember watching it. It was so cool. And even as I got older, watching it, like the reruns, um, I was just mesmerized by how much sports knowledge you had. You know, your persona on the show cracked me up. It was one of my favorite shows growing up. I want to know though, like, like how much does it still come up in your daily life now? You know, is it a weekly thing? Is it a daily thing? Or is it kind of something that never really comes up anymore? It doesn't come up as much because, I mean, we did the show over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, first of all, I appreciate your comments. And I've heard <laughs> uh, a number of people say, oh, I used to love that show. I mm-hmm. used to watch that show. Uh, my wife one day wore, wore a Stump the Schwab hat <laughs> uh, in an airport and a couple of people stopped and go, oh, what happened to that guy? Oh, is he still alive? <laughs> is he still yeah, alive? I'm still alive. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm glad people enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it. We did it for four seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did 80 shows. I was happy with it. Uh and I just love sports. I'm really passionate about sports. Mm-hmm. I can sit there and watch. I mean, last night I watched the uh, Rays Marlins baseball game, <laughs> uh, and then also watched the uh, the Bucks and Raptors, Raptors and then watched the Blues and Sharks. And <laughs> sports are great. I enjoy it. And St. John's, I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. St. John's Seton Hall's on TV tonight in baseball. Yes. Mm-hmm. While we're taping this, mm-hmm. uh, I watched the women's softball loss to Villanova, which was disappointing because they won the league during the regular season. Yeah. yeah. And that loss cost them a bid in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they came back in that game and made it interesting, but unfortunately fell short. Mm-hmm. But I- I'm very fond of. Uh, I mean, St. John's tennis team got to play Virginia, uh, but Virginia's too tough. Yeah. So, so- uh, St. John's men had a great year. Uh, I follow everything. Soccer, I follow. Uh, I wish they had football still. But, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basketball, obviously, the men and women. Uh, Coach Tartamella I'm yeah. friendly mm-hmm. with. And uh, uh, I love all of them. I was down here. Uh, I was happy that... Uh, St. John's came down and played in Miami against Georgia Tech. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was thrilled to go to that game. I wish I could have been up to 
see a few more games. Unfortunately, I couldn't. And mm-hmm. uh, I love St. John's. I wear still wear St. John's jerseys on occasion. I wear St. John's swag. Hey, mm-hmm. all good. Very <laughs> so, proud of my alma mater. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say you're very locked in still with the uh, with the school. I guess let, let, let's talk about your time at St. John's. Then you you were a uh, sure. you were a newspaper guy as well, right? With the torch, I was very involved in the torch. I was involved with WSJU. Yes, I even spent a year in student government at the end. Oh and, wow! <laughs> oh yeah, no, I was very active. Uh, the torch was very special. Okay, uh, I thought it really helped me with time management, mm-hmm. having deadlines to write stories and going on the road to games like Louisville and Providence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. back in the day um, among others and Seton Hall good old Walsh <laughs> yeah uh, I mean small place but hey mm-hmm. I mean there were just a lot of fun times and uh, I love being involved with the newspaper and the radio station I love music I love 70s and 80s music so <laughs> being a DJ at times on WSJU was Little known fact, but yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know I that. Great time. <laughs> so, yep. so how did that? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but but how did those two experiences for you at the newspaper at the radio station? How did they kind of prepare you for the rest of your career going forward? You said a little bit about time management. Could you expand upon that a little bit? How, how your time sure. at St. John's prepared you? Sure, I think time management was really important because you learn about deadlines, you learn about the pressure of getting things done on time, realizing what you have to do. And I I think I really learned a lot from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, learning how you can adapt to handling your workload at school, Mm -hmm. as well as your workload uh, with the torch at the radio station or whatever, our AAD club also at one point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it just was very important to me. And I think I took that from there to uh, when I started at a place called College and Pro Football News Weekly. Mm-hmm. And then I became an editor there. And then uh, ESPN got in touch with me and said they were interested in me basically being involved in a research department that wasn't in existence. That's crazy. So I was able to go up there and and start up and uh, really have a great time working and learning a lot. And uh, it started my career and uh, I've been working now for just under 40 years. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's pretty amazing to be this lucky (laughs) to have made a lot of connections and just enjoyed life and now I've moved a few times I was uh, in, in Connecticut at ESPN and eventually unfortunately I was let go because of uh, the situation where they had cutbacks and mm-hmm. so be it you adjust and uh, I've freelanced since and I've freelanced between uh, Dick Vitale Sports Jeopardy yeah. and now two years at Fox so uh, I'm lucky. There have been some people who were let go by ESPN who weren't as lucky, but St. John's was a major factor in my life. Uh, the teachers were very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the work ethic I learned from this was very helpful. And uh, I, I'm very positive about St. John's. Mm-hmm. And th- that's crazy to hear you say that, that 
ESPN, the research department just didn't exist before you got there. You almost started that because I feel like every single uh, sports, you know, media organization now has some sort of research department. So to hear that, you you know, you were really the first at ESPN to do that. That's kind of crazy. Um, you you spent such a long time at ESPN, though, but before this, uh, the, the stump, the Schwab started. Can you just tell me kind of how, how that like conversation went to, you know, going to you to, to start that show? Was it made with you in mind or was, you know, was there going to be someone else who was the Schwab or was it something that they kind of presented to you? Was it something that you pitched yourself? How, how, did, how did that all kind of start? Oh, sure. Well, what happened was I was called in to meet with the senior vice president, Mark Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, do you know why you're here? I said, I'm assuming it's something to do with Vital, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me mm-hmm. and they said well we're starting a new show called Stump the Schwab you're on <laughs> and I'm like oh really okay uh, my attitude was if I win I win I lose I lose I'm just going to try to have fun yeah I mean if people knew I knew my, knew a lot about sports yeah mm-hmm. I mean it's funny people said oh, does he really know that much <laughs> I'm like yeah, well I, I just have been lucky enough to follow sports for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, I, I lost 16 times on the show. I mean, I'm human. It's fine. There were a couple of times where we did four shows in a day, mm-hmm. and by the end of the day, I was like, get me out of here. Oh, that's true. But yeah, you don't think about that. It happens. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, you know, I'm a, I'm a realist. Like I said, when I win, lose, I lose. Mm-hmm. Just have fun with it. And I really enjoyed it, and the people enjoyed it, and I thought it was a really good show that... Uh, was well produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiffany Traeger was the senior coordinating producer. Was fantastic mm-hmm. to work with. She worked on Millionaire, and, okay. and the staff people were great to me, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, unfortunately, at the end, I was not told that the show was going off. Oh, really? I was still working as a college basketball researcher, going on the road, mm-hmm. and people would say, "Is the show coming back?" I said, "I have no idea. No one's told me." Hmm. I finally called someone in programming and said, does anyone know anything? Oh, yeah, we decided three months ago. Uh, they decided to cancel the show. Wow. Wow. So it would be nice if someone told me, but okay. <laughs> That's insane. And, and there were a couple of communication issues mm-hmm. at ESPN at the end, but mm-hmm. I've moved on from that. I wish them well. I still watch them uh, yeah, quite yeah. a bit. Mm-hmm. And that's fine but right now I'm with Fox they've treated me very well I uh, I was in California last year living out there for a year hmm. and so I would go to the studio and it was fine mm-hmm. this year I decided to move to Fort Lauderdale Florida mm-hmm. my wife wanted to be closer to the beach <laughs> can't blame and <laughs> the economics of it are better here than LA uh, yeah I bet <laughs> and so we moved here and Fox said well we'll put a camera in your condo okay you could do it from here and oh. I'm like great and so Fox has been wonderful to work with mm-hmm. uh, I enjoy working with Rob Stone and yeah. Steve mm-hmm. Lavin and Jimmy Jackson and Casey Casey Jacobson and just a lot of good people uh, Kevin Burkhart yeah mm-hmm. a lot of good people at Fox and there were a number of ex-ESPN people who knew me so that helped a lot and they were in my corner to uh, rehire me and mm-hmm. uh, everything's been great I hope to be back next year and we'll see what happens yeah and and uh, I want to get into the, to the rest of, of your time at Fox in a second going back to though your time at ESPN just for one more question you, you know you 
when you were there, I would say that that was probably the the most collection of talent at one organization that we'll ever see again. You know, with the way that the sports media uh, industry is now, I don't think that we'll ever see that collection of talent. You know, in one uh, one spot ever again. You worked with a lot of talented people. You mentioned a couple on Fox. You mentioned a couple on ESPN as well. Um, who's one person from from your time there that you know you maybe you know you mentioned Dick Vitale as well. Who's one person that you know you might still talk to today, or someone who maybe influenced your career the most? Uh, I'd say Berman and Vitale mm-hmm. be the two. Mm-hmm. But there were so many people. I, I was lucky enough to work with Stuart Scott. Mm-hmm. He was he was the MC on Stump the Schwab, and it was such a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And he was such a good person, and yeah. we had so much fun. And, uh, and I, I got to deal with his family, and the two daughters have been great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, there are so many people. I mean, uh, you know, but I'd say Berman and Vital would be my first answer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then after that. I mean, you talk about like Chris Fowler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You talk about John Clayton. You mm-hmm. talk about oh my God, Steve Levy, mm-hmm. John Anderson, Bucci Gras, and then Verk at the end for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Connors, I think, is a very underrated person there. Yeah. And I Kevin agree. and I had the pleasure of working together a little bit. With some make make a wish things. Oh, okay. Uh, Joe D'Ambrosio, who was mostly UConn radio, mm-hmm. Joe was fantastic mm-hmm. to deal with. I mean, there are just so many people. Yeah, yeah. And I've been so blessed to deal with so many great people. I mean, Digger Phelps and I got along really well. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of college basketball people over the years. I was really lucky mm-hmm. to share time with and. Uh, I still, for a few years after I left ESPN, shared time. For three years, I was still able to go to some games. Mm-hmm. And then ESPN decided that because I'm at Fox, they felt it was best I uh, not be seen there. And uh-huh, okay. That's fine. Uh-huh. So I still do work with Vital. Okay. I provide him information. I work on his website. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, I'm fortunate to still do that. Dick is one of the great human beings there is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What he does for cancer research is incredible. He just raised over $4 million with his gala. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, so you're with you're with Fox now. You mentioned it before. Uh, you're doing the you did the bracketology for them. I know uh, this year you do a cool cool job with that. When you do the bracketology, obviously you have you know this immense sports knowledge, especially with college basketball. You you know no one knows more about the sport than you. But is there a learning curve to doing bracketology to learning the ins and outs? Was it something that you were doing you know long before that? Because I don't really remember you touching on that uh, very much you know in, in the past. So was there a learning curve for you, or was it something that kind of came comes easy to you? I guess. Well, actually, a long time ago at ESPN, before Lenardi, mm-hmm. I used to do a bracketology type thing on ESPN.com. Oh, okay. oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And, and very few people realize that. <laughs> I'll tell you one person who loved it was Tom Penders. Okay. When he was coaching at Texas, he uh-huh. used to get in touch with me and say, wow, you, you're up on this. What do you think? And uh, to me, bracketology is not that tough. You just have to figure out there's going to be 68 teams in the tournament mm-hmm. and a lot of the teams will play themselves in because of conference tournaments mm-hmm. and then 
you have to just figure out which at-large teams and if you miss one or two, so be it. But mm-hmm. this year I got 67 out of 68. That's not bad. the one team I missed. St. John's. I was going to say, I felt like you were, you were a little bit low on St. John's all year. I mean, I mean, some people had them out, but I felt like you were a little bit low on them all year. Well, uh, the problem is if you look at the non-league schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, and that really hurt them. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, yes, they beat Villanova and Marquette three out of four games, yeah. and that was really important. Mm-hmm. VCU was a good non-league win, but that was pretty much it. Yeah. I think Bowling Green, but... <laughs> Uh, then you take uh, the league losses. Mm-hmm. When you look at the DePaul losses, the Butler Pro- losses. Providence, too. Yeah. Uh, Providence losses. Yep. And some of those games are not close. Mm-hmm. So by the eye test, I felt that uh, there were times where they were shaky. Mm-hmm. And it turns out I was right. They were one of the last four in. Yeah. Uh, believe me. I want them in. <laughs> I have to wear two different hats. Yeah, yeah, I have to be a fan who loves the school, and I have to be a journalist mm-hmm. who's realistic about it, saying, "Here's what I see." Mm-hmm. And uh, there were some St. John's people on Twitter killing me, <laughs> and I understand that. But uh, listen, I I felt very strongly that the TCU's, the Texas's, the Arizona States, mm-hmm. St. John's, mm-hmm. the Indianas. We're all in a mishmash, mm-hmm. yeah. and it, it, it was tough. But I felt that if I did my job right, it would pan out. And I wish they would have done better in uh, the Big East tournament, for yeah. example. Yeah, uh, I wish they would have done better at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it would have been easy. I remember after the Philadelphia game, I was like, "They should put them in," but. People, be aware. They still have games to play. Yep. They better win some of these. Yep. <laughs> and then I remember before the DePaul game in the Big East tournament saying uh, they can't lose this game. Yeah, they would have been out, yeah. Even if, even if they win this game and get beat by Marquette, this is going to be yeah. still pretty close. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the Arizona State game, I was really disappointed. Yeah, they, they just didn't show up in there. There were times this year that they didn't come out with the fire that they needed to. I agree, yep. And when I heard comments after after some games where they said, uh, we didn't play the way we should have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, why are you putting on the uniform, guys? Yep. Have pride in yourself. Mm-hmm. Play as a team. When you play as a team, like the Seton Hall game at, at the Garden yes, yes. was a great example. Mm-hmm. They came out on fire. They were great. Mm-hmm. When they started the Villanova game, they were great. And mm-hmm. then, unfortunately, Villanova came back. Mm-hmm. Okay, happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, the Seton Hall game at Seton Hall. Yeah, they looked great in that uh, game. That, that call was, yeah. was <laughs> tough because yeah. Figueroa had the steal. Uh-huh. should have had the ball. That got messed up. Seton Hall hits the three to win the game. Very mm-hmm. disappointing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a different season after that. Yeah. If they win the game, they have confidence. Yeah. Now, the other thing I thought was the non-league schedule really hurt them in terms of being able to adjust mm-hmm. uh, because the schedule was so easy uh, if they didn't go 12 and 0 it would have been a major disappointment yeah it didn't it didn't prepare them very much for for, for being no and that's yeah. why next year they're playing Arizona mm-hmm. and Arizona will be much improved from this year mm-hmm. because they have an incredible recruiting class coming in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so right there that's one right off the bat mm-hmm. and they have a couple of 
other games that will be a little tougher. And so I think they will be able to hopefully handle it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously an adjustment of Coach Anderson coming in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having Figueroa back and having Heron back, mm-hmm. and I think Williams has a lot of potential. Me too. He just didn't get enough playing time. Mm-hmm. Me too. And given a chance, I think he will be a positive factor. Uh, I think the transfers coming in are come, joining the team this year, Wright, mm-hmm. Steer, Carraher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they could be factors. Definitely. I think this is not as gloom and doom as some people have said. Mm-hmm. Now, Shibori Pons came back, <laughs> but he's not. <laughs> no, that, I, don't, that, I don't think That is over. Yeah, unfortunately. And I don't blame him, and I hope he makes it to the NBA, and I hope he gets picked in the second round, and... It makes us proud. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, uh, Mo Harkless is making us proud yes. right now. And, yeah, in Portland. Uh, unfortunately, the list of players that have gone to the NBA is not as great as the past. No. But certainly when you think about the Mullen days and the Barry days and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on and on, mm-hmm. Malik Seeley, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which was sad at the end. But, yeah. I mean, St. John's has a, a proud program and a lot to be thankful for and I know some fans were questioning Mike Craig when he was uh, dealing with the search Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I thought that was really unfair. you got to be patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, many years ago, UCLA was looking for a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard that before now. <laughs> uh, and finally, they ended up going for their seventh choice. It was Jim Harrick. Mm-hmm. Well, who was the last coach to win an NCAA tournament title? At UCLA, Jim Harrick. Yep. <laughs> I was there in Seattle when he won. Okay. I mean, it's uh, to me, you have to get the right fit. Yeah. And while I think some of the other guys they looked at were would have been a good fit, uh, I understand why Porter Moser didn't want to come. Yeah, me too. First of all, he'd never recruited New York, so I would have been a little concerned anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his record basically is the one year at the Final Four. Yeah. Where they were incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of years he's had losing records. Exactly. In- and so I, I kind of. I'm not upset he didn't get the job. No, me neither. Bobby Hurley would have been good because he would have been coming back to Jersey. I agree. Could have recruited well. Mm-hmm. But. Compare the winter in New York to Arizona. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, not a tough choice. Tempe's got a beautiful campus, nice facilities. Mm-hmm. They built the program up. They made the tournament the last few years. Yeah. I understand why you wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. No, I don't and, and the buyout would have been a factor, too. So, yeah, yeah. So as it turns out, uh, we now have a coach who I think will produce an, exi- an exciting product. Uh, he will produce a style of basketball that we have not seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that he's worked really hard. He's already landed a few recruits. Yeah. He's gotten a staff together, including Van Macon, who's very important because mm-hmm. he has New York ties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And keeping kids in New York is really important for St. John's. Definitely. It has not always happened that way. No. <laughs> Steve Lavin, Mike Jarvis, uh, they. They tried at times, but unfortunately it didn't work out. No. Mm-hmm. But and the, and the kids we've lost now, Kate is coming to FIU down here in Miami, which is good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was hurt so much also. Yeah, yeah. 
that we didn't see the true Sadiqata. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, having Figueroa and Heron back will help. Mm-hmm. What is your uh, what's like a reasonable expectation for you for this team this year? I, I said I think that they can go above five hundred. I said that they can you know maybe be around the bubble. I think they'll probably end up uh, in the NIT. Would be probably the reasonable expectation. But I, I don't think this is going to be like you said. I don't think that this is going to be like the Chris Mullins first year where it was you know like you said yep. doom and gloom. You know one one yep. Big East win. I think that they'll be pretty pretty competitive. I hope they're going to be competitive because I think Mike Anderson can do the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but realistically, the expectations last year were lock NCAA, yeah. maybe win a couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. You had so many veteran players. I mean, the starting five was so talented, mm-hmm. so the expectations were high. Mm-hmm. But now, realistically, uh, because you lost so much talent, mm-hmm. especially Pons, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think the expectation levels will be different. And you have to give Mike Anderson a year to recruit. Yeah, yeah. You have to get him time to bring in his players. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be as horrible as people have said. Exactly. And some people are like, oh, Mike Anderson. Uh, he couldn't <laughs> win in Arkansas last year. Well, one of the reasons he didn't win in Arkansas last year was the SEC was loaded. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee were, were great teams. Mm-hmm. And then below that, Florida was a really good team. Mm-hmm. Alabama missed the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the LSU was obviously loaded. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's. I think part of that was the SEC, and part of that was, I mean, Daniel Gaffer was a nice player. His guards were good, but not as good as past years. Yeah. Uh-huh. And okay, you can blame him. He didn't recruit as well as you would have liked, but look at the overall body of work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This guy is a winning coach mm-hmm. who's been to the tournament. Uh, go ask Mike Krzyzewski when Arkansas gave Duke a game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. several years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the tournament. And he won at Missouri, too. So yeah. here's a guy, and Tulsa. Uh-huh. Here's a guy who has been a winner at the D1 level in tough leagues for numerous years. Mm -hmm. So let's stress the positive instead of the negative. I think Mike Craig did a good job. No, I agree, and I think that you're you're 100 right. You know, if you would have looked at this at this program a month ago, where they were at, you know, in that coaching search with with Figueroa well, gone, have to be exactly. Be exactly. I was going to say I, patience. I, I you heard know? about the yeah. interview with on FAN. Yeah. <laughs> Good old the, guy from the Bipolar. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> hey, I, he's entitled to his opinion. Mm-hmm. My opinion's different. Mm-hmm. I think that now we've got to stress the positive and mm-hmm. go forward. And, you know, recruiting so far, he's gotten a couple of players. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Give him time. Mm-hmm. Next year, the expectation shouldn't be as high. Mm-hmm. Down mm-hmm. the line, two or three years, the expectation should, should go there. back up. Yeah, I agree. A lot's going to also depend. There are a lot of Big East players who entered the draft. Yes. Who yeah. We have to see who comes back, and that's crazy right now mm-hmm. because uh, there are so many players in this draft pool. Yeah. And a lot of them, uh, Najee Marshall already announced he's coming back, and that's great for Xavier. Mm-hmm. Powell Steele's got to be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Powell, I He'll think be back. He's staying. Yeah. No, I, I'm you not think sure. he's gonna stay? I'm really? Not, wow. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. Huh. I mean, it's, a lot's gonna depend mm-hmm. on what he does at the at the combine. Yeah, that's true. Uh huh. I mean, that's gonna. 
you know, you look at the combine list, there's over 60 players in the combine. Yeah. Uh, there's only 60 players being drafted. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you look at, like, a Tyus Battle. Yeah. Or you look at, I mean, there's so many guys. A lot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's, it's crazy. I mean, Gonzaga's got to be wondering because. Oh, yeah, they got a bunch. Narvell is uh-huh. entered in the, I mean, you knew Clark and Hachimura were going. Yeah. Uh-huh. You knew Tilly was probably going. Mm-hmm. But, like, Norvell now, he could be a second rounder and go. And then Gonzaga, though, has already signed some uh, grad transfers. Yeah, they got one yesterday. They're always really, and they had a good class coming in anyway. So, mm-hmm. Mark Few, you'll never have to worry about him. He'll be in the tournament every year. Every year. <laughs> every year. And the goal for St. John's, get back in the tournament. Exactly. All but right. if not, get in the NIT. Be, be respectable, yeah. do your best, mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next year, if they're not uh, not right up there, that's okay. that's okay. Give them a year. Let give them a chance. Let people give Anderson the ability to bring in some of his own players, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then make a judgment. But one year is very difficult, especially he came in a little late. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's already secured some players. He's that roster's not so terrible, folks. We'll <laughs> yeah. see. No, I agree, and I, I think that they're that the future is definitely looking up for St. John's for sure. Yeah. And um, Howie, I want to thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. I, I oh, really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Anytime. Of course, yeah. Anytime I can. Uh add something to you to your podcast I'll be happy to do yeah, it yeah no let's yeah we'll, we'll maybe have you on during the season next year to uh, break down some games I, I'd like to, to have some people sure. on we could do that yeah alright thank be you happy, thank you so much Howie we'll, we'll uh, look forward to seeing you on TV on, online again and uh, best of luck along, along the way all the best in your future too Troy go St. John's yes go St. John's have a good one go St. John's baseball cultural <laughs> series come on <laughs> Thank you once again to Mr. Schwab, Howie Schwab, for coming on and joining us there. Uh, He's someone that had expressed interest on coming on the podcast before, and I appreciate him taking some time out of his uh, afternoon to talk with us there. Great guy. Did a cool job. Hopefully, uh, if you like that, we'll be hearing from him again sometime during the season. Uh, So that's kind of cool. We'll have Howie come on a couple times during the season, hopefully uh, next season as well. If you enjoyed that interview, the style of that interview, the kind of laid-back style of that interview, uh, there's going to be more coming just like that this offseason. Like I said, I had a couple things planned, and I have have one or two things in the works right now that I'll hopefully be recording uh, in the next couple of weeks, I would say. One of them is a little bit more uh, closer than the other, but we'll, we'll see about them. So hopefully we have a couple of those coming out in the next couple of weeks and couple of months. Like I said, uh, this is going to be kind of the off-season. You know, when news permits, this episode is obviously a little bit longer because uh, we had some news to talk about, but I'll probably come on and do a show whenever news permits. And then if I ever have these interviews to toss out there during the off-season, I'll do the same as well. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, It's been a while since we had an episode, so I'm happy to get back into the swing of things. And hopefully it's not too long before our next one. Can't tell you when that's going to be, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for sticking with me here. And uh, hope that you're all having a good summer so far or or spring so far. And I will uh, catch you guys next time. Let's go, Johnny's.